Welcome to the Hot Pyre. This is episode 17, A Sliver of Truth. This is the finale of season 1, so stay tuned till the end of the episode to learn more about season 2. I would suggest you put your dagger down. Asher was glaring at the woman whose blade was on Logan's throat, her own sword sliding forward and tilting the chin of the man in front of her upwards, a thin trickle of blood running down his neck. Behind her, Kalani appeared in the doorframe, with Vincent and an out-of-breath Roderick following along. Rina scrambled back up and took a step back. Kalani stopped only a few steps past the door, her sharp eyes fixated on Logan and the woman. Roderick held onto the doorframe with one hand, his other hand on his thigh as he regained his breath. He looked up at Rina, his eyes full of concern, as if they were asking her how she was doing. She nodded slightly, pressing her lips together, hoping this would convey that she was unharmed. She craned her neck to glance past Kalani and Roderick, to see if anyone else was behind them. On the ground, the second man lay unconscious, spread eagle, the cast iron pan she had thrown lying next to him. Is Finn not with you? Asha quickly glanced over to her, her frown deepening for a second. No, he left with you. Why would he be with us? Did you lose him? We had to run into the forest and we got separated. I thought he was with Logan, but apparently he lost him. I didn't lose him. I'm sure we'll find him once we actually look for him. Sounds like you lost him to me. This is not a stage show. You will take us seriously. The woman behind Logan hissed, the blade cutting into his skin. Blood started to run down Logan's neck, mirroring the man Asher was holding captive. Okay, 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 okay. How about we all come down, yeah? There's no need for anyone to get hurt. Kalani stepped further into the hallway and came to stand next to Asha. She reached a hand out towards Rina and waited for her to come closer. Rina glanced back at the woman whose bright green eyes were wide open and full of rage, darting back and forth between Asha, Kalani and her. Who the fuck are you people and what are you doing in my house? Rina slowly stepped back until she was close enough for Kalani to grab her arm and drag her away from the woman and behind her back. We could ask you the same. And don't pretend like this is your house. I know the farmer rents it out to whoever's willing to pay. Usually these visitors aren't responsible for the death and destruction of an entire village, however. Do you actually believe these insolent rumors that we're responsible for that tragedy? What, just because we're outsiders who don't adhere to the norms of these lands? It seems awfully convenient that you just happened to show up here right after the fire happened. <laughs> it seems awfully convenient to blame the outsiders you don't understand for it. Where's your proof that we have anything to do with it? They had a shrine dedicated to one of the figurines we know. Shit! What did you do to Maya? The words burst out of Rina without her consent, her fingers digging into her sister's dress. She couldn't stand waiting for this game to resolve, for them to coax tiny shreds of truth out of this woman who evidently did not want to comply. It was so clear to her that these people were responsible for the fire, so why were they still wasting time trying to get a confession when there were more pressing matters to discuss? Kalani turned her head slightly towards Rina without taking her eyes off of the woman. Who is Maya? My sister. Your sister? She turned her head to look at Rina, a concerned frown on her face. We found her dress here, in a pile of clothes. I don't know what it's doing here, but why would they just pick up her dress before setting the fire? That doesn't make any sense, right? So they must have taken her. They, they must be keeping her somewhere. Rina held the dress out towards Kalani, who stared at it with a deep sunken frown, the muscles of her jaw clenching. What did you do to her sister? Asha growled, grabbing the man's hair with her free hand and kicking him in the back of the knees so that he fell down on the ground. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Bullshit, you don't know. 
I should have you all skinned alive for breaking into our house and stealing our things. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Easy on the blade. Easy on the blade. We're not stealing anything, I promise. We were about to put it back where we found it. But this isn't yours. This is Maya's dress. You can't just pretend it isn't hers. So why do you have her dress? What have you done with her? Rina felt a hand land on her shoulder, and for an instant she jerked back in fear before she noticed that it was just Roderick trying to comfort her. That is none of your concern. I think it is time both sides set down their blades so that we can discuss this issue peacefully. Surely you can see that my friend here is very worried about her sister. So I implore you to help us find out what happened to her. I said it is none of your concern. My good lady. Oh. The heads all turned simultaneously towards the room from which the noise had come from. Towards the room in which Rena and Logan had tied up the other woman. Logan used the distraction to slip out of the woman's grasp, sliding behind her and slamming her head into the wall. Her body instantly went slack and fell to the ground, blood trickling out of her nose. This time around, the man Asher was holding used the distraction to try to get away, but Asher's grip on his hair was still tight enough that he couldn't slip away. She slammed him down on the ground, pushing his face into the wooden floor. She dropped his sword an arm's length away and used her free hand to pin the man's arms behind his back, kneeling down on his back to keep him from getting back up. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Shut up. Logan, who the fuck is in that room? Yeah, sorry we tried breaking in without getting noticed, but it kind of failed, as you may have noticed. Logan choked her out and then tied her up. Logan shot her an annoyed look, his left hand and his throat where the blade had cut him. Fantastic, this is going great. Two unconscious cultists and two terrified ones. Truly the best conditions for a productive conversation. Logan, go get the one from outside before someone sees him. We need to figure out what we do next. Yes, sir. Is there a cellar in this house? We should bring them all down there until we know how to proceed. We kind of broke the door when we broke in. Of course you did. I thought you were a professional thief, Logan. It was locked and I didn't have any tools on me. I can't perform miracles. Also, I'd call myself more of a weaver of stories than just a common thief. Then go grab the body and fix the door downstairs. We shouldn't be staying here for much longer anyway. Logan bowed to Kalani with a flourish, his left hand covered in blood. He stepped over the unconscious woman at his feet and winked at Trina as he walked past. Kalani ran a hand over her black braids and pulled them over her right shoulder, cutting her fingers through them. She looked around the room before her gaze landed on the unconscious woman. She looked at her for a moment before bending down and picking her up underneath her armpits, heaving her up and dragging her towards the stairs. She put her down with the back against the wall and waited for Logan to come back in with the other unconscious body. Rena crouched down and held her hand out for Vincent to come closer and sniff at her. Rena, my dear, are you alright? Her hand ran over Vincent's fur towards the back of his ear as he nuzzled his head into her hand. Rena looked back up at Roderick and shot him a small smile. Yes, thank you. I'm not hurt. Don't really know how to feel about the dress, but I'm happy to see Asha and you are unharmed. Oh, don't worry about us. We weren't in any danger at all. Logan and Kalani lifted the unconscious man up and carried him down the stairs, coming back up a few minutes later to carry the second body down. I almost expected not to see you again, Asha. I had half a mind set on staying at camp. 
But then we told Kalani what was going on here, and she got all concerned that you don't just say no to a woman like Kalani if she requests your services. Thank you for coming back. Could you please take your knee off of my back? No. Okay. Kalani came back up the stairs and walked over to Asha, squatting down to look at the man. If you cooperate, I'll tell her to get off of you. The man didn't say anything for a while. He simply looked up at her, spit drooling out of his open mouth that was squished against the floor. Or maybe we should go talk to your comrade in the other room. When the man still didn't answer, she got back up and walked over to the first bedroom to the left. She opened the door and walked in, long right behind her. Hesitantly, Rina got up and followed them in. The woman had managed to untie the tights around her legs and was now lying on her back, feet propped against the bed frame, trying to lift it up enough to get her arms out from underneath it. I wouldn't try anything stupid. Kalani sat down on the bed, quashing the efforts of the woman to get out of her bindings. Long picked up one of the shirts that was still lying on the ground and pressed it against the wound on his neck. Rina only slowly stepped into the room, scooting aside to let Roderick and Vincent in after her. Asha stayed in the hallway, her knee still firmly planted on the man's back. Vincent slowly came up to smell the woman, who turned around in panic and scrambled away from him until her back hit the bed. Oh, please, please don't let it hurt me. Sure, if you tell us what we want to know. What? I can't help you. I don't know anything. Where's Maya? I don't know any Maya. The girl who had this dress on, where is she? I don't, I don't know anything about that. Kalani kicked her thigh, making the woman jump. Answer her. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I really don't know anything. I just, I just do what I'm told and they told me to fold the laundry. But the dress doesn't look anything like the rest of your clothes. I, I didn't question it. Now that's a load of bullshit. There really is no use in lying to us. We simply want to know where her sister is. I don't think that's such an unreasonable question to ask, do you? You're not the kind of people I'm allowed to tell anything. You see your friend over there? He doesn't seem too comfortable to me. If you help us, we help him. If you don't help us, well... There is nothing you can do to us that would make me abandon my faith. Ah, uh, bye. Uh, right. You guys are those kind of people. But you're okay with this? With destroying whole villages and killing hundreds of people? Even if you're not the one setting the fire, you're okay with the others doing it? You have no proof of that? And in the hypothetical case where we were responsible for these fires, and, and this is by no means an admission of guilt, there would be a righteous reason for these actions that is more sacred and important than any individual human lives that might be lost along the way, even if their deaths would be tragic. What are you even talking about? My entire family is dead because of you. B but don't you see, modern life would have been the death of them anyways. What? This life we are living is just a distortion of what it should be. This isn't how any of us should exist. Wait, is that what you're fighting against? Modern life is in the new technologies? The lights and machines and the train? Is my family dead because you don't like that they're building a train line? No, 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 you misunderstand. No one said anything about the gas lamps or the trains. I quite fancy the train, actually. Maybe one day we'll be able to ride on it. Maybe one day we'll all be able to ride on it. But that is exactly the problem, that all these people in power keep us regular folks away from everything that is good. That they are the one deciding what we are allowed to do and what our lives are supposed to look like and which provinces get help and which get forgotten. And they're pretending like the system is fair and that it is for our best and that we have any say in it. But we all know that none of that is true. 
They are building this on the ruins of a once great and sacred system and are spitting in the face of our history. But what does any of that have to do with burning down villages? There is a divine reason behind it that you would not understand. Because you aren't explaining it. Rena, my child, there's no use getting worked up. It doesn't seem like you are going to be able to reason with her. But... I know, I know. He's right. This is just a waste of time. How about you tell us where you brought her sister? And let's stop pretending like you don't know or like you guys aren't responsible for the fires. The both of you, alright? You either tell us now or someone gets hurt. I can't. The woman pressed her lips together in a thin line and turned her head away from them. Asha? I can't. The two of you remember those scrolls you have near the altar, right? The really old ones? The ones that look important and irreplaceable and like they mean something to you? Would be a shame if something happened to them, don't you think? The woman's head ripped around to stare at Logan with wide open eyes. You wouldn't dare! Logan looked up at Kalani with a smirk. Got him. Hmm, I do think we would dare. Go get them for me, Logan. Logan came back with a pile of the scrolls they had found earlier and dropped them on the bed. He picked one of them up and handed it to Kalani, who unrolled it and tried to read it. What is this? We don't really know. It's written in a language we can't read, but we also found one that had drawings on it. Logan should have that one. We think maybe it has something to do with the old gods. Roderick stepped forward and joined the other two near the scrolls. Let me take a look. Can you read this? Hmm, I don't think so. I do have an acquaintance who can, however. Right. Kalani squatted down in front of the woman and held a piece of parchment up to her. I don't need to know what's written on here to figure out that a lot of you care about it. So why don't you help us out and then nothing will happen to them? You will not break us! All right. Oh! Tears started gathering in the woman's eyes as she stared at the paper in front of her, slowly getting torn in two. How many of these can you fathom losing? There's also a fireplace in the other room. The woman's eyes started up to Logan, filled with rage, a tear finally rolling down her cheek. We, we don't need to go to those extremes. They are historical artifacts after all. That decision is entirely up to our two friends here. We only want to know one thing. Where's Rina's sister? Please. You don't understand what you're doing? Stop, please. I'll talk. I'll talk. I'll talk. Michael! Please don't destroy the scrolls, please. I can tell you where she is. Finally, someone who's reasonable. Asha, get him up. Kalani stood back up, letting the fragments of parchments fall down onto the woman's lap. Asha heaved the man up by the lapel of his shirt and turned him around to march him into the room. Michael, you know what Inkra will do to you if you tell them anything. <sighs> Ralph would be greater if they destroy all of the scripture. Michael, it's Michael, right? I don't know who this Inkra is, and I'm truly sorry if we are the reason you get into trouble with her. But I need you to tell me where my sister is. Is she alright? You didn't hurt her, did you? I don't, I don't know. We're just, we're just a clean-up crew. We only arrived after the fire, I swear. We're just here to talk to the locals and advise Captain Silek. We didn't even meet the first crew. They had, they had left the building before we arrived. Most of the stuff, it's theirs. It's always like this. We're just here to clean up after them. 
But you said you knew where she was. Yes, yes, yes. Well, there, there, there are only a few places where they could have brought her. That doesn't sound like you know exactly where she is. No, 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 no. I do. I do. It's northeast of here. It's just over the border in Baidan. It's, it's, it's the most likely place where they would have brought her if she's still alive. It's our closest base from here. I will have to report this treason to Inkra, Michael. Uh, Inkra will understand. She, she would have done the same. I think I know the place he's talking about. There's an old abandoned monastery in the hills near Targot's Bridge. We already discussed it earlier. I remember it having some symbols that we also found at the ruins of Minas Ni. Seemed quite plausible that they might have been connected. Alright, seems like we're crossing the border today. You're coming with us, Michael. Roderick, we're taking your wagon. Horses would be faster, but we'd have to find enough of them first. Wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. You can't, you can't take me with you. I told you where it was. You don't need me anymore. And your comrade clearly knows what I'm talking about. I wouldn't be of any further help to you. Serves you right, Michael, for just telling them all our information? I promise we won't hurt you, Michael. Maybe you can talk to the people at the old monastery and tell them to release my sister. I'm sure they'd listen more to you than to any of us. Please. Let's go. We're wasting time. What about her? Tie her up probably and then leave her. Someone will find her sooner or later. They left the house soon after. Logan had tied the woman's legs together again and had gagged her with one of the tights. She didn't complain or try to fight back for any of the procedure, but her eyes were still filled with rage. Kalani led the way out and told them to place their prisoner in their midst. Asha let go of him, but still kept an arm around his shoulder, so he wouldn't run away, but it also wouldn't look too suspicious as they walked out. They moved swiftly without running, heading to the northern road where they had left Roderick's wagon. They managed to cross the village without any major incidents. Michael didn't even try to run away or call for help. He simply walked alongside them and murmured something Rena couldn't make out. Until they reached the wagon, Rena was on edge, waiting for someone to catch up with them. But soon she sat on the front bench of the wagon next to Roderick, the rest of their crew in the back, and the wagon rumbled to life. She was still clutching her sister's dress, her fingers twisting into its fabric. She didn't know how to feel about the situation, about the anticipation that her sister might still be alive. Tears filled her eyes and fell in thick drops down her cheeks and onto the dress. She didn't want to help, didn't want to get her heart broken once more if their new journey didn't lead them to Maya. Maya, who was only a year younger than her, who had never been afraid of the forest or the dark, even when Rina had still been scared. Maya, who had loved the night and the stars and the moon and listening to the wind glide over the ocean. Her beloved Maya, who she had not dared to think about much over these last few days because she was scared she wouldn't be able to bear the pain of remembering her. She pressed the dress against her face and took in a deep breath, but the fabric didn't smell like her sister anymore. It didn't even smell like the fresh laundry she was used to, as if any remnants of her old life had been denied to her. Halt! She looked up, and next to them on the road on both sides were guards on horses, trotting along to keep up with the wagon. Good afternoon, what seems to be the problem? Roderick talked to them without even the semblance of wanting to stop the wagon. I said halt! Stop your vehicle right away! We are simple merchants on our way up north. There is no need to yell at us. Is there a reason why you want me to stop? I ask because I would prefer not to, as it is quite the ordeal to get this beauty started. On the orders of Captain Silek, each wanderer on these roads has to be inspected. 
From behind the guard to their left, another mounted guard appeared, riding their horse in front of the wagon before stopping in the middle of the road. Rina looked back behind the wagon and was shocked to see that another three guards were riding behind them. What horrified her even more was that riding beside them, with a drooping white shoulder and bloodied arm, was the woman with the piercing green eyes they had left in the cellar of the house. She turned around to Roderick, leaning closer to him. There are more behind us, and the lady who held a knife to Logan's throat is with them. Roderick nodded once without taking his eyes off of the road in front of them. He seemed to think for a while, his eyebrows knitting together in apprehension. Hold on to something. The wagon lurched forward before Rena could actually hold on to something, and she was thrust back, the back hitting the wagon hard. Roderick steered straight forward, towards the guard that had planted their horse on the road in front of them. The wagon shook violently and Rina scooted forward, only managing to not drop off of the bench by pressing her foot into the wooden paneling in front of them. Roderick didn't budge from his path and for an instant Rina was truly afraid they were about to run into the guard and the horse. She closed her eyes and brought the dress up to her face in anticipation, but no collision came. She dared peek out again and saw that the road in front of them was empty. The shaking of the wagon was so violent that it almost felt like the vehicle was about to fall apart. But even with the effort it put out, it wasn't anywhere close to how fast a horse could run, and soon the two guards to their sides appeared next to them again. The one next to Rena tried to grab her, grasping for her leg, but the shaking was so intense that he couldn't reach her. She tried to kick him away, but it just made her slide further down the bench to the point where she got scared she would fall out. Next to her, Roderick had the same problem, with the other guard trying to get a hold of his steering wheel. Vincent tried to snap at the guard's hand, but even he had difficulty standing upright. The guard next to her finally managed to get a grip on her, his hand digging into her sister's dress. She tried to kick him off, tried to throw him off of his horse, but the agitation made her slide off of the bench and fall down onto the footrest, and as her back hit the floor, the shock made her lose grip on the dress. The guard discarded the dress right away, throwing it onto the road behind him. Rena tried to push herself upright again, tried to get away from the guard's hand, but he managed to get a hold of her ankle and yanked her forward, not enough to pull her off of the wagon right away but enough that her legs were dangling off of the edge. She tried to grab onto the wagon so she wouldn't fall, tried to claw at the ground and drag herself back up, but there was nothing she could do. She fell off, tumbling to the ground, hitting the floor hard, all the air in her lungs being violently expelled. She rolled forward a few times and then landed with her face in the dirt. She looked up to see the wagon having veered off of the road and crashed into a tree, the second guard pulling Roderick away from the vehicle. Vincent leapt off of the remains of the wagon and onto the guard, making him lose his grip on Roderick and fall backwards into the forest. The back door of the wagon burst open and the rest of her companions rushed out. Asha jumped out first, her sword ready in her hand, a stream of blood running down the side of her face and down her neck. Logan was right behind her with a heavy set cast iron pen in his hands, the towel he had tied around his neck to bandage his wound a deep crimson red. Rina scrambled back up again, even though her back and her legs hurt like nothing she had ever felt before. The horse in front of her stopped and the guards dropped down to the ground. She turned around and tried to run away, but she was quickly surrounded by the other horses. She turned back around to find the guard lying on the ground, Logan next to him with two hands around the cast iron pan. Run! I, I can't just... Just run! A horse came up beside them, the guard trying to grab at Rina. He was yanked back from the other side and fell off of his horse. Forest, now! And so she did. She ran past Logan, only stopping to pick up her sister's now mud-covered dress off of the ground and disappeared between the trees. She picked the skirt of her dress up and clutched it tight to her chest, bundling it up with her sister's dress so she wouldn't lose it. 
She didn't know how long she was running for or where she was running towards. She only stopped because her legs became weak and her foot caught on a root and she fell to the ground. She was out of breath, her mouth dry, her heartbeat hammering in her chest and her head. She tried pushing herself back up but her body couldn't take it anymore. She scooted closer to a tree and lay down on the ground next to it, hoping that no one would find her there. She wished the fox would show up again, that it would lead her to safety again, but she waited and waited and it never showed up. Her eyes became heavy, impossible to keep open anymore, and she felt herself drift away. Her eyes showed open again, her whole body tensing. She held her breath and waited. The footsteps seemed slow, sluggish, like someone who was exhausted or injured. A figure appeared from behind a tree, staggering towards her and tripped over a protruding root, collapsing on the ground. Oh my stars, Logan! Are you alright? Logan! Logan, wake up! Thank you for listening to Season 1 of The Heart Pyre. I hope you have enjoyed the story we have created together. There is no concrete date for the start of Season 2 yet, but I am aiming for summer or autumn of 2023. I'm also really excited to announce that I'm converting this season into a book format, which means a better edited story with more content. Follow the podcast on social media to stay up to date with this process and to get notified when the book releases. If you want to support the podcast, you can tell a friend about it, leave a review or rating, or check out the Kofi or Patreon page. While you wait for season 2, now would be the ideal time to check out the tiers on Patreon that will allow you to vote for the alternative timeline. As always, you can find transcripts for each episode, character art and character descriptions on thehardpire.com. The intro music is Lonely Dusty Trail by John Preston. The Hardpire is written and produced by me, Audrey Marta. Thank you for listening. <laughs>